we do this, I'm going to ask Brother Don if he'll take us to the Lord in prayer. Our most precious Heavenly Father, what, what a privilege it is to meet back down at your house this morning to see what you're going to do today. And, and, and we, we were watching a television show earlier and they were talking about being in Christ's house, just, just expecting Him to do great and wonderful things. And, and I, I think He will here today. And we thank you for each person that's here today. And yes. we thank you for the, the preacher and the song director and the Sunday school teacher. We just, we, just, we just ask you to be a part of everything we do and say today. We'll be careful to keep you praise on Lord for it all. For it's in Jesus Christ. We know in name we pray. Amen. 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 Uh, Brother Roger and Sister Elaine have gone to uh, Mulberry today for their grandson's uh, baptism. And so Brother Chris will be bringing us our devotion. And uh, we'll sing this and then we'll ask him to come forward with what he has for us.
So we want to be in prayer for those that we're uh, missing, but you know we can't all be here every single time. But you know, as I said, we're here, and um, you know it, it doesn't it doesn't take a big crowd for the Lord to come and be right. present in our midst and to do great and wonderful things. I'll be very brief, and we'll get on with our Sunday school lesson, but. Um, I had an experience this week that reminded me about the uh, power of words and the profound effect words have on us. Um, and I'll tell you what that experience is when I conclude. You know, if Pam and I ever get cross with one another, it's usually because uh, somebody spoke a word that didn't set too well with others. A word. And I confess that I'm usually the offender. You know, sometimes I'm not sure what I said. And I'll probe a little further, and Pam will say, Well, it's not what you said, it's how you said it. So that's important too. Our words are important, and how we use those words are so very important. Pam and I sometimes laugh at uh, the Andy Griffith show where Andy has to um, intervene because a, a couple fussing and fighting all the time. And you don't might remember that better than I do, but I was thinking about that this morning. But he had to intervene. Uh, and so what he did to solve the matter was help them practice what they said. And they got better with how they said it as time went by, but they had to start practicing what they said. So do you remember what the man had to say in his practice? Yes, dear. <laughs> I, was I was thinking that, it, and that may be right, <laughs> but I was thinking he had to say, good morning, honey. <laughs> and then she had to say, morning, dear. And boy, that was a strain for a long time. <laughs> but they got better at it. They got better at it as time went by. Um, and keeping in mind what, how words affect us. The book of Proverbs has many, many verses um, dealing with our words. Many. And the book of Proverbs has 31 chapters, one for every day of the month. And it's a great um, outline to follow when you're doing your other Bible reading and study. Just go ahead, if it's the fifth day of the month, read Proverbs 5. If it's whatever day of the month is, and try to read them. But one of my favorites is uh, Proverbs 25, 11. And it says, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. Words fitly spoken are like apples of gold and pictures of silver. So what, is, what does that really mean? What is apples of gold and pictures of silver? I really don't know, but I picture that as being something very, very beautiful. So when we say the right words at the right time, it is a very beautiful thing. Right. 
And we want to be sure, uh, just as David was in Psalms 19:14, when he said, let the words of my mouth in the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Sometimes I don't have as much trouble with the words of my mouth as I would the meditation of my heart. So I'm glad it says both of that because it's out of the heart, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaking. I'll never forget one time my father-in-law, who's Pam's daddy, has been passed away a long time. This is something that really troubled him, and he mentioned it to me several times. They were doing a job um, on the church, one of those Saturday jobs where the men would get together, and one of the men of the church hit his thumb with a hammer really, really bad. And upon doing that, there was a lot of profanities came out of his mouth. Now what bothered Paul about that was if that hadn't been in there, it wouldn't come out. So David said that let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redemption. Now, a further word about the power of your words. Last Sunday afternoon, I went and uh, stayed quite a long time with my mom. And my mom had not spoken my name in well over a year. And we had visited and watched the video and just everything I could to entertain her. And I almost missed it because she talks real low. And she said, Chris, I gotta have some money. You talk about making my day, Don. She said my name. Although I've not heard her do that in over a year. That word was a very powerful and meaningful to me. Sure. Now, I told you I had experience this week, and I'd come back and share it with you. So, uh, I had to go up in the north end of the county near the Marshall County line and look at some property that was in dispute over in the state. I kind of wanted to slip in and out. Nobody ever know I looked, you know. I'm not supposed to really do my own discovery, but I do. I want to see what I'm making a decision about oftentimes. So I got up there just at the beginning to get daylight, look things over, and got a big job going on down at Cleveland. So I wanted to run by and check on it before I went on back to work. <clears throat> When I got there, some of the workers were showing up, and been a long week, hard week. We're trying to prepare a county budget to get it uh, considered by the commission on Tuesday. And um, you know, I just, uh, I just kind of worn out. So I started a conversation with one of the workers that that had shown up, and we were talking and. 
I said, you know, the job's going well. We've had a beautiful week this week. This is a job I really want to accomplish before the end of my service with the county. And he said, well, how long will that be? And I said, well, it'll be a little over two more years. And he said, uh, well, you're not going to retire then. And I said, oh, yes, I'll be 65 years old in 10 months. And he said, you don't look like you could be, you're 63 years old now? And I said, yes, sir. And he said, I would have never guessed that. Well, <laughs> I put my shoulders back, put my chin in the air bow, and I went on to the courthouse. <laughs> and I had a wonderful day. Because the man spoke words of encouragement sure. and affirmation to me. So it's power. So let's look around us today. Look around you right here and see whom you might speak a word of encouragement to today. And remember, Proverbs 25, 11, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pitchers of silver. I love you all, and I want to encourage you all and Pam and I are so happy to be part of this church family. Now, I don't want to cut you short before we go to class. If you have a word in any way, prayer requests, or anything that you'd like to say, please do so. It's good to see each one that's here this morning. Um, before we get started, I will say this. I guess most of you know our Associated of Churches had a great loss this week, uh, Brother Larry Smith passing, but I'll always remember uh, one of our former pastors, Brother Kyle Blakely and myself, we were at an ordination at Robin Hill, and the chairs were just kind of set like here where the presbytery sat, and I, Kyle was here, and I was here, and Brother Larry was one row up on the end, and they got around to deciding, and he just kind of had his Bible in his lap. And they got around into uh, who was going to preach the ordinational messages. And Brother Larry's, you know, sitting in his chair, and somebody nominated him, and he went, I'm rent. <laughs> <laughs> exactly what he did. And I texted Brother Kyle this week, and I said, Brother Larry, not rent anymore. Yeah. And you spell that R-U-R-N-T, by the way. Like, burnt, rent. <laughs> but, uh, we are going to miss Brother Larry. I took him fishing probably the last time he went fishing. We had a good time. But, uh, Michael, Brother Larry liked to fish and he liked to bird hunting. Yes. Uh, he's got some bird dogs. And, uh, he was also a, a Vietnam veteran. Mm -hmm. And uh, he is going to be sorely missed. A lot of uh, preachers, including myself, he had a lot of influence yeah. with. Yeah. He prayed for his family. And one other thing before we get started. Anybody know somebody that refinishes vinyl floors? Because Phil? I'm sorry. VCT. VCT. The fellowship building. It needs redone. So if you happen to know of somebody that does that kind of thing, the person we had that used to do it 
moved or something died. Oh, okay. They moved up. Yeah. So if you happen to know somebody, get with me. So we're going to need to get that done pretty soon out there. Anyone else? this morning. We've got time. As we start the 18th chapter of Genesis, this is, there's such a, a high point in this chapter and then there's such a low point. Um, as we get into it, but the Lord had already visited Abraham and told him he would have a son and his name would be Isaac. Ishmael was not going to be his heir. It would be Isaac, the child of promise. But we catch up with Abraham in chapter 18, and uh, he's sitting on his front porch. And the Lord appeared unto Abraham, I'll insert the, the nouns for the pronouns if I can, in the plains of Mamre. And Abraham sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. And he lift up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. I don't think he saw them coming down the road. I think he looked down and he looked up, and there they were. And when Abraham saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground. He knew these were not ordinary folks the minute he saw them. He knew there was something different about these three men. And I'll use the word men loosely. And said, my Lord. He recognized one of them for sure, didn't he? Same one he had a conversation with in the previous chapter. My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. They didn't have vehicles in that day, did they? And the custom was when someone came into your house, you washed their feet because they'd been walking on the dirty road and it would refresh them. And so that's what he's doing here, or he's having done. And I, and I love this, well, I'll get to it in a second. Verse 5, And I will fetch a morsel of bread, and comfort ye your hearts, after that ye shall pass on. For therefore are ye come to your servant. And they said, So do, as thou hast said. And Abraham, who says, I'll fetch a morsel of bread, says, Sarah, Sarah. What does he do when company comes? Runs to his wife. <laughs> yeah, that hasn't changed, has it? No, you don't want me cooking you a morsel, trust me. 
but it said in verse 6, and notice the, 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 the verbs in, in this, and Abraham hastened into the tent unto Sarah and said, make ready quickly three measures of fine meal, knead it, and make cups upon the hearth, and do it quick. Notice he said three. He wasn't going to dine with these men. You catch that? Three measures. He was going to be the guest. He was going to serve those three men. Yeah, he wasn't going to... He didn't feel like he needed to be sitting at the table with them. And Abraham ran. Here we go again. And he ran into the herd and fetched a calf tender of good and gave it to the young man and he hastened to dress it. Abraham wanted to make sure he, he entertained these men before they moved on. And he was in a hurry. It was important to him. You ever notice in the Bible how many times when somebody's doing something that the Lord has told them to do, it says they got up early and did it. They made it a priority. Yeah. They rose up early. That's the phrase I'm looking for. They rose up early and, and whatever the job was, they did. They made God's work a priority in their life. Yeah. Back to the putting Him first and everything else falls in place. Yeah. Michael, that, that is some of my, my mother's favorite scripture. Yeah. And uh, because if, if there's something happening on a, on a day, she rises up early and goes with it. Um, little inside our life. Um, you know, Linda, since this has all happened to me, Linda needs to get home early um, to to let Deborah go home. And that a lot of times in her scheduling, she's not doesn't do anything really early in the morning and, and is, is very crowded in the afternoon. And the reason for that, and she'll she'll kill me when we get home, the reason for that is a lot of her patients don't get up early. There's there's no urgency in their life. They won't even get up early to go to the doctor. Um, so their life, my, my dad has, a, has a, uh, a, a phrase that he uses, a, a haphazard Christian. Well, there's, there's people that are haphazard about their whole life and that, you know, they don't rise up early to do anything. There's nothing important about their life to get up and go. But where we're serving God, we, we decide to be about his business early and get up and do it with haste. Sure. Now another thing, the first thing we should do every morning is recognize God. Yeah. What's that? This is the day that the Lord hath made. Yeah, to remind ourselves it's his day. Yeah. Wouldn't it be wonderful if every morning we woke up, our first thought was on Him and not the obstacles we've got to overcome today? Yeah. If our first thought every morning was on Him, 
I believe it would make our day go a little better, wouldn't it? Yeah. All right. Verse 8, And he took butter and milk and the calf which he had dressed and set it before them. So what we got? We got beef, butter, biscuits, and milk, right? All right. Probably a pretty big meal. Probably a pretty good meal at that time. Yeah. And he stood by them under the tree, and they did eat. Now, we know who one of these men obviously are, as they're called men. That's the Lord. The other two? What do you think? Angels? And they did eat. Yeah. The Old Testament. Christ and the angels sat down and had a meal in front of Abraham. So... We, we say angels are spiritual beings, but obviously they can take physical form, and they can eat. Yeah. So just throw that out there for the fun of it. Yes, I'm going to eat in heaven, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. What? Glory. Yeah, glory. Wouldn't be heaven without biscuits, would it? <laughs> ah, so Abraham has been quick to serve the Lord and these angels as they passed by his tent. And I guess as they're eating or as they finished in verse 9, and they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold in the tent. And he said, and I don't know, I get picky sometimes, that H ought to be capitalized because I think it's the Lord talking. But he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life and lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind him. So, I don't know, but I picture Sarah. She couldn't be out there with the men, but she was at the door <laughs> giving it this. She was listening because I think she recognized these men too for who they were. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in years, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? Just as Abraham laughed. Yeah. That's a great idea, but there's no way. It's, it's, no, it's beyond my comprehension that this is possible. That's what she's really laughing. I'd love to believe this, but there's no way, Lord. Good try, but wow, this can't happen. There's no way you can do this for me. And the Lord said unto Abraham, notice he did not address Sarah. Just throwing that out there. But he addressed that. I guess, I don't know, I guess she was in the door of the tent, maybe. But why did Sarah laugh? Saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? And if you highlight or underline in your Bible anything, you might want to do the first question in this verse 14. The Lord asked Abraham, and in essence, Sarah, a question. You're laughing because this is impossible, but is anything too hard for the Lord? 
Is anything too hard for the Lord? I made you. I made the earth. I made the heavens. Don't you think I can make you have a child when you're 90-something years old? What's the big deal? I guess our phrase that we would use in, in where I always work, that's a piece of cake. Yeah. Abraham, Sarah, that's a piece of cake for you to bear a child. I told you you would, and you're going to. But we see man, I don't know, I, I sometimes consider our flesh to be the ball and chain that our spirit hauls around with us. It's, we just have to drag it along. And I, and I see that ball and chain in Abraham and Sarah both. There's no way. I know, God, you created all the heavens and the earth, but, but you couldn't do this for me. Yeah. But is anything too hard for the Lord? If there's anything to grasp out of today's lesson, it's that. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Now, sometimes we mess up and we go... Well, I think which, I forgot where it is right now. It tells us all the ways we pray wrong. We pray amiss. We pray for things so we can have them and not pray according to God's will. Because I found out a long time ago, he's smarter than I am. He's already been in tomorrow. He knows what's best. I don't. But also a prayer without faith is words. It's no good. I can ask for anything if I'll follow it with if it be your will, couldn't I? And be in the right attitude. Yeah. Because sometimes he says no. For my good. And for his plan. Yeah, he says no. But nothing's impossible. You ever thought if, if tomorrow... God's Spirit changed the heart of half the people in Washington, D.C.? Is anything too hard for the Lord? No. 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 But we believe that one about like Sarah believes she'd have a child, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. If God came to us and says, I'm going to change the heart of Washington tomorrow, we'd laugh. We'd laugh. Yeah. So I'm not going to throw a rock at Sarah. Because I'd do the same thing. You want a word? I'm rambling. I'm sorry. I kind of feel with Sarah. We tried to have a baby for four years. And, um, but I never lost hope. I never lost faith. And um, I was 35 when I was still born. And I had a lot of medical issues. And um, so now when I look back on it, and I see everything. I probably shouldn't have had them. I probably would have had the surgery that I had right after he was born. So I truly believe he was a miracle from God. And he knew how much I wanted that thing. And he blessed me. Anyone else? So it's never a matter if he's able or not. It's a matter of if it's his will or not. Anything's possible. Yeah. Which I think, too, in, in this scripture here, uh, time, you know, uh, we want things on our time. Oh, yes. We want it. And, yes. Uh, you know, sometimes you just have to wait upon the Lord. 
I ask this question all the time. Is there anybody think God doesn't want the very best for you? Anybody? Anybody? Yeah. He wants the best for us. It's just sometimes we don't know what is best for us, do we? Yeah. You ever look back and say, I'm glad I didn't make that mistake. I came so close. For, for whatever, buying something or, or, or you just, you just, no, I better not do that. And you find out later, whoo, spirit was screaming at you, no, 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 no. But you look back and you see the wisdom and the, the goodness of God that it didn't happen. Yeah. Verse 14, is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. And here that ball and chain jumps out of Sarah again. Then Sarah denied, saying, I laugh not, for she was afraid. She was afraid she's going to mess this thing up, is what she was afraid of. God was going to change, the Lord is going to change his mind, I think, because she laughed. She doubted. And he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh, but you're still going to have a son. Oh, the Lord cut me off every time I made a mistake. Woo! Yeah. Despite our ball and chain, he blesses us, doesn't he? Yeah. And just as a reminder, what does God the Father see when He looks in me? He sees His Son. Amen. Yeah. That's how we can say we're perfect. He sees His Son. I believe the word is imputed, is it not? The righteousness of Christ imputed in our life. But we still got that ball and chain to pull around, to burn us. You know, Michael, uh, um, the, the Apostle Paul entreated the Lord three times that he, he remove the thorn in the thorn in his side, um, and a lot of a lot of peoples have thought, you know, it was he, he had poor vision, he, he stuttered, he he was you know a little guy, and and all of those may have been true. But I can't help but believe that Paul wanted to get past the ball and chain. And the reason is the way the Lord answered him was that my grace is sufficient. Um, that, and, and I could be wrong. And I guess when I see Paul, I'll ask him. And, but then maybe by then that don't matter anymore. But uh, I can't help but believe that in this life, he wanted to get past that ball and chain. Because he said in another place that he failed daily. Mm -hmm. And I think he wanted to, to rise above that, to, to make higher ground than to fail daily. And the Lord said that his grace was sufficient. And uh, never, never let him reach that plane until he gave his life, he sacrificed his life. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, then he removed that thorn in his flesh. There's a wonderful verse of Scripture says, and I'm not going to get it right, but it says he knows our frame. Yes. He knows what we're made out of. He knows we're not perfect. Yeah. Someone else.
I think he also remind, reminded Paul that that thorn in the flesh was to buffet him, let him be exalted above matter, I believe what it was. And sometimes I feel like that might have been something that kept, helped to keep Paul humble. Um, sometimes God puts things in our life or lets things happen in our life to keep us, to, to, to keep us humble. And uh, maybe if Paul didn't have that thorn, maybe he would have uh, maybe exalted himself more than the Lord. We don't, we don't know. But, uh, there's reasons why the Lord gives us thorns. Yeah. So I think up until this point, um, this has been a pretty celebratory meal. I think it's been a, a, a positive experience, if I can use that, a, a happy time. Abraham had, had been able to serve the Lord and his two angels with him a meal and reminded him that he's going to have a child. But I think in verse 16, the mood changes. It said, And the men rose up from thence and looked toward Sodom. And I think, I think an air of seriousness came over them. They, they had stopped by Abraham's for a, for a visit, but now it was time to get back to business. And they had some pretty serious business to take care of. And Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. Walk with them to the end of the driveway. Put them, let them go. They go. They had some business, and I think he realized that was their priority. They were going to take care of some business, but he'd been able to entreat them to stop by for a visit, and now he walked with them as they were going to leave. And the Lord said, "Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do?" And he gives a reason, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him. Wow, what a statement. For I know Abraham. I know you, Abraham, that you will command your children and your household and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which, that which he hath spoken of him. Wow, what a compliment of the Lord. Should I tell you what's about to happen, Abraham? Yeah, I think I will because I know you. You're going to hang in there. You're going to do what's right. Look at the respect the Lord had for Abraham. Now, a lot of times, and this, this can be controversial in some circles, but, but I, Michael, Michael feels like, let's go with that. A lot of God's promises are conditional. Not all of them. He promised, you know, but some of the, look at this. Let me tell you why I say that. He's promised. He said, "How do I get? How do I get?" It? Okay, he says, "For I know him that he will command his children and his household after them, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment." And then there's a semicolon there, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham 
that which he has spoken to him. So, this promise was conditional on Abraham staying in the right way. He said, I know him. He'll do right. He'll teach his children right. If I could use the word therefore, the Lord may bring upon Abraham all that he'd spoken to him. Yeah. This promise to Abraham was conditional on Abraham's behavior. Anybody see that different? Please speak up. But that, that's just... That's the way I see that. This is a promise here that was conditional. The blessings on Abraham could have been revoked if Abraham hadn't lived right. Now, I will say there's promises that aren't conditional, okay, in the Scriptures. But this is one time where I think it was. We have to remember that Abraham was still a free boy agent. He choose whatever he <laughs> A lot of times I think we get in our minds that, that a lot of these great men of God were like robots that were just programmed. To, but they, uh, uh, the Bible could have been written a lot differently if Abraham had, had decided to just go with his Adam man. Yeah. Now a writer who wanted to fluff it up would have never recorded that Abraham laughed, would he? That's one of the things I love about the Scripture it, what's the phrase I like to use? It paints man warts and all. Warts and all. You don't, you don't find, except for Christ, anyone in the Bible that didn't have a slip up, didn't have a stumble. Uh, you think of Moses when he just, just lost his temper. Yeah. You see him as human. Because if these people in the Bible were way up here and never did anything wrong, I don't have a chance. I'll never walk the walk they walked. But that's not the case. And I guess the most pointed verse is where it says that Elias, I believe it was, Elijah was like passioned as we are. And he prayed that it wouldn't rain. It didn't rain for three years. And he's made out of the same cloth we are. Yeah. Anyone else? Well, I think we shall stop there. That's a good place to stop. No, wait. I need a couple more verses. I'm sorry. No, no, don't. No. That's a good place to stop. Verse 20. I'm...